Hi, this is Ozzy Jurak. I'm the host of OzBuzz, and today it is my privilege and pleasure to welcome His Worship, Mayor Don McCormack from Kimberley. Now, Kimberley is a town in the Rockies, and it calls itself the place to be, and you're the mayor of it. Uh, Don McCormack uh, is joining us. Don, uh, how do you like to be the mayor of the place to be? Well, being uh, this is awesome. Kimberly is a is an absolutely awesome place, and uh, being the mayor here has been a privilege that I've had for four years. Uh, recently re-elected for a second term. Yeah, so congratulations! Thank you, Ozzy. I appreciate that, and um, I'm looking forward to the next four years. Yeah, well, I I think I mean I I come here maybe two or three months a year, and I must admit I, I'm not trying to sort of. Uh, you know, be brown nosing, but things have changed since you became mayor. I mean, actually the road was paved up to the hill. I'm not sure that you personally did it, but there seemed to be a lot of change. The, the Platzl is more busy, there's new businesses. There seems to be like, mm. almost like a new spirit in town. Well, I really appreciate you saying that. Uh, we've worked, we meaning uh, not just uh, the elected officials, but staff uh, at the city of Kimberley have been working really, really hard the last four years uh, to move forward. Uh, back in 2001, uh, prior to 2001, Kimberley was a mining town. Right. Uh, Tech Cominco had a uh, had a lead zinc mine here that was the largest in the world for about a hundred years, and the ore body got mined out. So in 2001, when the mine closed, um, a lot of people thought that this would uh, very quickly become a ghost town. Uh, that has not happened for a number of reasons, but uh, what we have become is a very sought after lifestyle community. And, um, with a great yeah, ski resort. With a great ski resort. Um, you know, we like to say that uh, with three, three championship golf courses in town, right. uh, we have more golf courses than traffic lights, <laughs> uh, which is awesome. <laughs> we only yeah. have one of those. Yeah. So it's a very special community from a, uh, from a lifestyle and a recreation point of view. And uh, I think that, um, you know, the, uh, the growth in our population this last 10 years is, uh, is a testament to that. Now you also have more enrollment uh, of kids now, which is a sort of a real sign of, of progress. Well, uh, 15 years ago, schools were closing. And yeah. I think in the, in the area, Kimberley and Environments, there were four or five schools that had closed as uh, people moved elsewhere for jobs. And it was, uh, it was a very difficult time. Today, uh, our two elementary, our middle school and our high school uh, are full. Yeah. All of them are full. And uh, we've sat down and tried to have a look at where that population's coming from. And it's not just one area. We've got a number of different dynamics uh, in place, but at the core of it is making sure that as a municipality, we are offering a level of service and amenities in town that uh, cause people to want to live here. Well, and you do that. I mean, I met so many people that maybe moved from Surrey and found it very difficult to make the mortgage payment and come here. Prices on real estate are half or less mm -hmm. than what they're there. And the lifestyle is, is, as you say, fantastic. I mean, the Rockies are great, but these Kootenai Rockies, I guess it's to Purcells, really. And we're looking yeah. at the Rockies when we're on top, it's magnificent. Uh, it truly is. Uh, it is quite a contrast. We're all in British Columbia, and yet the contrast between the lower mainland and many places in the interior, including these Kootenays, is, is rather dramatic. Uh, somebody from Surrey who's uh, stressed in Surrey from a financial point of view comes to these Kootenays and they're wealthy. Yeah, <laughs> just, exactly. Just yeah. by moving. 
So, so it is definitely a, a, a province of contrasts. And at this point in time, I would have to say that Kimberly, uh, given where we are and the amenities we have, is probably the best valued community in all of British Columbia. I don't disagree. I've been here like, I guess, 14 years. I can't believe it, you know. Yeah. It's for, uh, no, obviously, right. there's a reason. I'd have been trying to retire here for 14 years, yeah. <laughs> not so successfully. <laughs> well, uh, my wife, Bev, and I have been here for 16 years. And uh, that was our ultimate goal, was to live in a place that we wanted to live in. Uh, we have an international airport that's only 15 kilometers right. away. And uh, we are a gigabit community when it comes to uh, internet and fiber connectivity. So you have those two things and pretty much anybody, any age can live here and uh, not only be productive, but enjoy the lifestyle. But I'm sure it wasn't easy for Kimberley sort of to come from being a mining town all of a sudden you're a ski resort and it's fine, but now maybe that income from the mine also went. Well, that's, that's exactly right. In fact, um, when you take a look at, um, at any community uh, or any municipality, it, it's really a bit of a two-headed beast. On one hand, you have the community, uh, including the business community and the disposable income that everyone uses, right. uh, the amenities that are used. And on the other hand, you have the business of the municipality. And in the case of Kimberley, um, we've got 7,500 people in town now, and uh, we're a $27 million corporation as a municipality, the business of the right. city of Kimberley. And it's really important to differentiate between the two um, because there can be uh, quite a contrast. So for example, right now you mentioned how, uh, how buoyant things are. We have just a great vibe going on in town right. now. Yeah. Uh, we've had good tourism <laughs> years back to back to back. Uh, the business community, I think if you asked any business in town, they would say that uh, each year now is the best year that they've ever had. So with that great vibe comes a, comes a, feeling, um, a, feeling, of, uh, a feeling of wealth, um, yeah. not just from a financial point of view, but from a lifestyle point of view. On the other hand, when the mine closed in 2001, uh, the city of Kimberley overnight lost $3 million huh. in yeah. tax revenue that over the last 17 years has basically been thrust on the backs of the residential uh, homeowners and on the, uh, on the uh, retail business community we have. So we have been quite challenged to try and keep our taxes down and at the same time maintain the levels of service that we had in place when that mine was still open. And uh, that has been an extremely difficult well, thing to do. Well, it's never easy to make the taxpayer happy, but uh, in particularly <coughs> this kind of situation, you have to balance the two, you have to find the revenue somewhere else. And I think that's, that's perhaps where your background as a mayor maybe helps a little too, because you've, you're in the marketing kind of an area, you've been mm -hmm. in, in many different kind of uh, reinventions of yourself, mm -hmm. and you bring with it to the job sort of a wealth of experience on the marketing side and understanding, hey, to run a city is maybe just like running be the CEO of a big company. Well, absolutely. And in fact, it's kind of interesting because if you talk to local government gurus, uh, those that write books on you know, how to manage municipalities, most will say the worst thing you can do is attempt to manage the municipality like a business, like yeah. a private enterprise. Yeah. And uh, I disagree with that. I think one of the best things you can do is attempt to run it like a business, but it's really a modified business. And by that, I mean that um, the revenues don't come from the product that you're selling, it comes from taxpayers. Right. And we need to respect that because um, if, a private, if a private business needs more revenue, you go out and sell more product. 
if a municipality needs more revenue, the only place you have to go to is the taxpayers. Yeah. And uh, the last thing you want to do- And they usually resent it. <laughs> they do indeed. And the, the last thing you want to do is to continually go back to the taxpayers asking for more money. So um, we have uh, in British Columbia, and for that matter, probably the other provinces in Canada, we have two, um, two things that help differentiate us from a private business and look after taxpayer money, and that is the Community Charter and the Local Government Act. Uh, there are a whole host of governance things in in these two um, in these two uh, uh, governance things that make sure that we are respectful of taxpayer money and just don't go cavalierly doing things and putting it at risk. So we do have a fairly tight tent, uh, uh, fence that we have to operate within, but it can in fact be done. Uh, Eighty percent of what we do uh, can be managed exactly the same way we manage the uh, in the private sector. That other 20% inside Community Charter and Local Government Act, we have to do things a little bit differently. It's funny though that you say that, you know, it can be done. There's a whole bunch of municipality and provinces and, hey, would I dare say federal governments <coughs> who seem to think the only way to do it, keep on going, spend more money and saddle future generations yeah. with the cost. Well, there is this tendency uh, in government to build on what has been done before, not take a step back break it down and say what do we really need to do or what do we need to change and so fundamentally four years ago that's what we did here in Kimberley as we uh, uh, we as the elected officials and our chief administration officer got together and we discussed what our strategic priorities were going to be for the next four years and we came up with with a set of priorities that we would then be able to hand off to staff and they would use that as their decision-making measurement. In other words, if we're going to spend this money or if we're going to do this, how does that relate to achieving these five strategic priorities that we have? If, if it doesn't, don't do it. Don't spend the money just for the sake of doing it. So we managed to, um, uh, we managed to stick pretty closely. Uh, well, first of all, I think the key point is we had priorities and goals that were set right and uh, here we are four years later and we've we've managed to make some really really good progress on uh, on all of those fronts now what's interesting is the goals that we set the strategic priorities that we set I should say uh, are very consistent with what you'd see in the private sector uh, number one uh, at the top of the list was new revenue right. in other words new money coming into the municipality that was not from existing taxpayers so we need to spend more what a, money. What a unique concept. Yeah, where do we get it from? <laughs> so that was, that was number one. Uh, the second was what we called financial sustainability. This was really making sure that the town stayed affordable from a taxation point of view, and we do not raise taxes any more than the rate of inflation each year. Interesting. We calculated what our municipal rate of inflation was, uh, and it worked out to be about 2% a year, and we are committed to a maximum tax increase of 2% a year. If we wanna spend more money on other things, we have to get that money from other places. The, uh, uh, the third priority was around infrastructure renewal. So every municipality in Canada is in tough right now with an aging infrastructure. Sure. Uh, pipes in the ground, the fleet, buildings, these things have not been well looked after and are going to require an incredible investment. So we wanted to start taking a look at what that looked like and to make some, some inroads on that. And the other two were communication, making sure that we, uh, we had an educated and a well-informed community. And uh, the uh, fifth was customer service. 
ensuring that uh, you know staff at the city understood and the elected officials understood that taxpayers were our customers. They're the ones right. paying the bill. And therefore, we had to respect that and make sure that we were providing them with a, uh, a very high level of service. So the combination of those five uh, strategic priorities and everything that fell out of that from an execution point of view has, has helped us move forward this fast four years to the, uh, to the wonderful state we're in today. Well, and of course, you started off right, otherwise you wouldn't have been re-elected. The, <laughs> the public actually saw it, not as because they could see the results. There is, I'm not saying this, it's mm. because, particularly since I wasn't here the full time, you know, when you come here, all of a sudden there's a change, you yeah, know, and you yeah. talk to people in town and everybody seems to be on, they have a future orientation, whereas before it was always how it used to be, you know, right, 10 years right. ago, right? When the, well, it, it, that's very true. Um, what's interesting, uh, during, the, uh, during the, uh, the, this past election in October, uh, I received 58% uh, of, uh, of the vote, uh, those that voted. We had a 50% turnout and I got 58% of that. And uh, I've had a lot of people ask me, wow, that was closer than what, uh, what we thought it would be. Why is that? And um, it, it, it's kind of interesting. I, I mean, first past the post means you win by one vote and you're yeah, in. Sure. Uh, the margin of error isn't really all that important. However, uh, it is important to note that when you are making change, especially in a municipality where you've determined that the status quo is not good enough, when you're making change, there are lots of people that disagree with the change. Um, lots of people that feel alienated or sure. left behind. And as a result of that, or have um, their own hobby horses. That absolutely. Yeah, yeah, sure. And as a result of that, you find people that uh, would rather uh, go in a different direction. And uh, but that, actually this is the democratic process oh, exactly. at work. And you so did very well. I mean, the Surrey in Surrey. Well, first of all, I think we had uh, in Vancouver we had thirty-two percent voter turnout in Surrey, thirty-four percent. And of that, uh, Mayor McCallum. Now I don't have it quite right, probably, but no more than thirty-eight percent of mm. the thirty-four percent was the vote that oh, you got. So you did brilliantly, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> according to that. It's but all relative. But yeah. sure, it, it is a democracy yeah. and, and that's how, how we do it. But you hope to uh, make the largest number of people uh, uh, at least comfortable with the leadership. And I think that's part of it. Uh, your comparison have of a CEO that is responsible to shareholders, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, if he doesn't have results, then he's going to be out. You know, it's very simple. Yeah. So as long as he stays in, he's doing something right. and. I would think that goes the same for the office of the mayor, only that you you seem to be sort of a, like a hamburger, a very thin slice of meat between two very large <laughs> buns. On the one hand is the, the taxpayers and the people, right? On the other hand, there's the, the resources aren't all there. I'd love to talk to you briefly about, uh, Kimberly started a few years ago before your time, a project called the Sun Mine. Mm -hmm. you know, and the idea was that you were going to be power efficient. And I understand around the world they've come looking at the results or the experience that Kimberly had at the Sun Mine. Mm -hmm. So the Sun Mine has been an incredible success. Um, basically, it was a rebranding exercise from the city of Kimberly's point of view and uh, uh, EcoSmart consultants out of Vancouver who really came up with the idea and promoted it at the city of Kimberly uh, wanted, to, um, wanted to get a solar facility in the sunniest place in BC and Western Canada for that matter and uh, begin to take a look at how we could turn brownfields uh, into something useful. That was kind of their core proposition uh, in a nutshell. And uh, it, it has been quite phenomenal. It's only one megawatt 
yeah. which is not that big. Yeah. Um, it's about 4,000 solar cells. Um, so it, what does that service? It, so it generates about 200, uh, $250,000 a year in revenue. Okay. And it would, uh, if, if it were to uh, kind of light up the town, it would service about 250 homes. Okay. Well. So relatively small, but it was all in, always intended to be a pilot. In other words, let's prove that it can work in an area like this. And then once we have proven that, we'll expand it. The fact is that the, uh, the tech lands, the tech brownfield that it was built on has room for probably 200 megawatts. So this can expand um, at whatever rate the market wishes it to expand. But from the city of Kimberley's point of view, uh, at one megawatt, it's always been about break even. Mm -hmm. And so our plan was to uh, get this expanded as quickly as we could to make the, uh, the business case a little stronger than one megawatt. And in fact, we, uh, we currently have a letter of intent in place with uh, Tech to purchase the Sun Mine. And uh, hopefully they will, they will look to expand it in, in the short term. And, uh, and then as, um, you know, as market forces kind of line up behind it, we'll be able to move forward with, uh, with further expansions. It's still in the city of Kimberley. It, it represents what I call a non-core asset. So core assets in a municipality are sewer, water, roads, garbage, sure. you know, uh, core facilities like arenas and aquatic centers, that kind of thing. The Sun Mine doesn't really fall into that category. So and it also needs a certain amount, is it two, two megawatts before it can be connected to the grid? No, no, it's, it's it actually connected to the grid it now. Oh, okay. And in fact, we're selling the power that it generates back to BC Hydro. Okay, good. And that's where the $250,000 in revenue comes from each year. Um, the, um, the, issue, the issue is that as a non-core asset, we never want the taxpayers to be in a position of having to subsidize it from right. an operational right. point of view. And so we needed an exit strategy. And with all non-core assets, um, well, let me take a step back. There is no private money on the face of the planet that would have built this one megawatt facility. <laughs> yeah. It costs $5.4 million and uh, the, the return for the amount of revenue it's generating is probably, the return on capital is probably 20 years. Yeah. And uh, there is no private money yeah. other than a philanthropist probably that would put money well, into that kind of thing. But still it needed to be done, right? You want to prove something, you have to do the investment. Right? Exactly, and that's why the city of Kimberley stepped up to be the primary driver behind, uh, behind this effort. Uh, so, uh, so now we're in a position of exercising an exit strategy so that we, we have the asset, we'll continue to have the asset, but we won't have taxpayer money that is uh, put in harm's way. Um, this is a natural evolution. Um, a lot of people say, well, if it's been so successful, why are you selling it? And uh, it's not quite that simple. It has to be successful from a financial point of view long term in order for the city to consider hanging on. And quite frankly, even if it were successful financially, I think I would still be looking at divesting us of that particular asset. We have several others in town. Uh, we own a golf course. Uh, we own a conference center. Yeah. Uh, we own a campground. Um, all of these assets are great assets, but they're not core to what we're doing. And at a time when we need money, we need to be able to divest of these assets, take the cash, be able to build our infrastructure back up, do the things we need to do that's outside of, of asking for more taxpayer money. Yeah, that and is it, such a unique, uh, <coughs> I think, such a unique philosophy by a mayor. I, I think when I look at Vancouver, <laughs> the property taxes are up 5% uh, this year. The, everything is up at an incredible rate. Mm. I was on a Michael Campbell show recently and uh, we quoted one of the biggest appraisal houses in the country 
and they looked at the cost of a, of a condominium on Camby Street, which was, you'll laugh at that, but 880000 for a two-bedroom condo, and they felt that the city, if they weren't involved, there would have been 220000 less. That's on, mm -hmm. one, on one unit, which Amazing. is a joke here because, I mean, 200000 buys you a reasonable house, so 300000 a fine house, right? And yeah. certainly all sorts of condominiums. Yeah. Yeah. So, but it, no, it, it is, um, it's remarkable the, uh, the way you look at that. You looked at other sources of revenue as well, you know, including uh, at one time, I'm not sure whether I'm allowed to say this, but you were going to, to look at uh, bringing in um, a present of some sort. No? Well, I think, um, I, th I think the key thing, uh, you know, a federal institution was one of the ideas that uh, was thrown around about four years ago. Um, not much has moved forward with respect to that specific idea, but what it did was got people thinking outside their comfort zone right, on right. what was possible. Uh, one, of the, uh, one of the projects that the city is, is trying to support as much as we can right now is a group that is looking to bring an international student campus to Kimberley. Oh, great. We've yeah. had, um, we've had uh, international students coming to this area for, since 1981. Uh, and in the last few years, um, it's being constrained because we don't have any seats at the high school. The okay. high school is full. Yeah. And so uh, international students or international education as a business is constrained. So, uh, so what I'm doing is I'm looking at this international business as an industry and working with this company to raise money to build this campus. Um, it will be, when it's fully built out, uh, phased out through all phases, it'll be about a $40 million project. And $40 million in an area like ours, that's probably more investment than, um, than Kimberly has seen since uh, Tech Cominco was building fertilizer plants. So it's, and that's been a very, very long time. No, and, and it is a, it's a very good uh, project. I mean, we're looking at uh, in the lower mainland, 140,000 students. Uh, Mr. Trudeau has allowed that it's almost unlimited and uh, mm -hmm. the numbers could be anywhere upwards of 500,000 students coming. They usually, uh, I know in, in the city of Surrey, one of the developers, uh, we actually interviewed him on Ozbuzz, Sharan City. He's now building a, a huge tower in, uh, on uh, King George Highway hmm. that's aiming to have an international student uh, right, population right. living in it because, you know, they... And they do like to be in a smaller town there as well, if and not in the big downtown center. Right. Well, the um, uh, the group that's been bringing people here that's that's behind this is a company called AQG out of China, and so the uh, the money uh, for this is is right now is being attempted to be uh, uh, to be raised in China. About 150 of the 450 students will be from China, and it this is a very attractive area because. Um, parents know that the kids will learn English here. Right. If, if, if kids go to uh, the Lower Mainland, you end up in a very large <laughs> Chinese community <Yeah. laughs> and they don't learn uh, English, right. exactly. uh, certainly not as quickly as, as they need to. So by moving into an area like this, the focus is on the international education and this is very exciting for uh, the educational uh, uh, authorities in China. Well, and then you have a safe community. It's a beautiful uh, community. There's uh, so much uh, going for it. I mean, yep. from a sports <coughs> point of view, uh, whether you're bicycling or running or walking or anything that you want to do, uh, you can do here. One exactly. of the thoughts that I had uh, on the ski resort itself, is that a benefit to the, to the city? Uh, absolutely. I mean, uh, uh, the resorts of the Canadian Rockies who operate it uh, employ in the neighborhood of 400 people um, uh, during ski season. 
something less than that in the summertime, but uh, RCR also owns Trickle Creek Golf Course. Mm -hmm. uh, they've got a big food and beverage uh, uh, business. And as of a year ago, uh, January, uh, this coming January, or this past January, I should say, uh, the city completed an operating agreement for RCR to operate our conference center as well. Great. Yeah. So they have a year-round vested interest and lots of employees. In fact, they are the biggest employer in town. So that, um, that worked, worked out well then because it, it not all, always does. But I, I, I'm a skier. I love this particular resort, resort. I love the way it's situated and what you look at. Mm -hmm. And I like the, uh, the amenities of it. Asia also owns some real estate that it, it intends to develop. So mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, and not to, not to forget uh, the source of income for the city taxes. RCR are also the single biggest taxpayer that we have in uh, Kimberley as well. And it's growing, isn't it? Uh, the, the, the ridership? Uh, they've had uh, RCR as a private uh, company don't release specific figures, oh, yeah. but I do have it on good authority <laughs> that uh, last year was best year ever. So, uh, so it in fact has been trending up over the uh, over the years, and uh, you know, hopefully, we'll get a, another couple of feet of snow here. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. let me rephrase that: uh, thirty to fifty centimeters worth yeah. of snow. <laughs> well, the funny thing is, even Whistler two weeks ago. Uh, this is now the middle of December. Uh, two weeks ago, Whistler didn't have much snow. I think this last weekend it was a little bit better, but there was a lot of long yeah. faces. You know, everybody's waiting mm -hmm. for the powder. You know, to, to El come. El Nino. <laughs> <laughs> well, the funny thing is I look at my, uh, at my veranda here and I've always had icicles come down. I've even seen some icicles go up, but right now the icicles actually have turned and are going sideways. I've never seen anything <laughs> like it and it's this combination of cold weather, then it gets warm and you have enough for them to turn and it gets cold again, they freeze overnight and now we have this, I, I put it on Instagram so it had to be yeah. something very uh, famous. <laughs> Anyway, so you, you enjoy yourself in, in being the mayor with all the challenges? Yeah, it, uh, it has been, uh, uh, it's definitely a very challenging job, but um, I think the biggest challenge I've had, Ozzy, is trying to educate the community on what the job of mayor is about. Right. Uh, I don't run the municipality. The chief administration officer runs the municipality. My job as the mayor is to look at where we need to be or where we are going to be in five years and 10 years down the road and ensure working with council that we're doing the things we need to do today in order to make that happen. Uh, so I'm basically the uh, chief salesman uh, for the city. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm uh, definitely promoting to developers and builders and uh, you know, all sorts of folks that, uh, uh, that are gonna have an impact on, on our path forward. Yeah, and that, that is so important. You have to have somebody uh, that is uh, for, that has some passion. And I've seen you in action. You're passionate about the, the city. There's nothing that you don't know. And your, your commitment is totally, your wife Bev as an interior designer uh, is involved. You're both involved in the Rotary and uh, I know Bev has been the president of the Rotary. And you're always raising funds or doing something great for the city. So you have my full admiration. Do you have sort of some final thoughts for anybody that might want to run for a municipal election? Well, I think, um, you know, when we moved here um, in, uh, in 2002, uh, I had no intention whatsoever of being an elected <laughs> official. Uh, I have never done anything like this before. Um, it just was not even on the radar screen. However, what you discover when you get to a small community like this is that um, there are, um, there are always need for volunteers. There's always need yeah. for 
skill, knowledge, and experience that we bring to these communities. And you can't just sit back and complain about the way things are. <laughs> uh, you need to get involved. Yeah. And uh, I started one year by running for council. Uh, was a council. Well, I had all of my volunteer stuff, but but then I ran for council one year, and discovered very quickly that councillors don't have a large impact. It's a governance role, and the only way you can have an impact on the future direction is really as mayor. And so I made the decision to step up and do that, and uh, here we are. So so I guess my uh, my counsel and and best advice is that when you move to a smaller community for lifestyle purposes, uh, make sure you get involved. The community needs it and it's extremely rewarding. Well, and I th these are uh, is good advice and I think Kimberley itself is unique to me because every car stops. If, if they just see you put one foot on the road, everybody stops. Even the deer walk at, at the traffic light, they seem to wait for the light to change. <laughs> I'm sure it's all due entirely to your leadership. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for those uh, kind words of advice and sharing a little bit about what it means to be His Honor the Mayor of Kimberley. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Ozzy. I appreciate it.